Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Go! Good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, one and all, and welcome to another edition of Touchy Gooners. It's your boy SV Carboholic on hosting duty. Um, we're back again, back again after another stay at the L Hotel. Um, three defeats in a row, one win in seven. God damn, this uh, this December and Christmas period has not been kind to us, boy. We have been getting slapped all over the place, all over social media. But you know what? It's our time to hold it. The game is the game. You win some, you lose some. Um, so at the moment, unfortunately, uh, guys and ladies, it is our time to hold it. But I'm sure, well, I, I say I'm sure, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will turn it around and we will have something to shout about this evening. So we're back. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot to discuss tonight. Um, I say a lot to discuss. Obviously, the team are now, um, you know, in Dubai on a mid-season break. I think it's needed, probably. And I think the manager himself has alluded to it. Um, chance to reset, hopefully get some injured players back, hopefully tweak maybe one or two things tactically, and hopefully do a lot of finishing drills while these guys are enjoying the Dubai sun. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into all of that. But I am joined by my good brother this evening, the Hood solicitor himself, LDN Shabs. How are you, my brother? Oh, you're, you're, you're on mute, my bro. You're on mute. No way. Obviously, struggling to navigate technology. I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah, I'm all right. Was... Um... I might be a bit frostier this week than my mood was last week, you know. <laughs> like partly because of the weather, partly because of the football results for this club. But we move. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, for those who are in the UK, for those who listen in the UK, it is absolutely freezing around here. I'm really not trying to leave my house unless necessary. But, you know, duty calls, HMRC are taxing me left, right and centre. So bills, I forget get paid. So it is what it is. Um, 
yes just a few quick house rules before we get going um we want to do a patreon piece on onana so if you guys are fans of our patreon you are free to sign up for as little as three pounds a month where we do some scouting pieces post matches um you know, unfortunately, the Christmas period has been a bit sporadic, so people have been away and stuff, but we want to kick it all back off properly. So um, those of you who do subscribe, we appreciate you. Those of you who would like to, please do feel free to tell a friend to tell a friend. We love to have you on board, but we're also just happy to have you here listening as we dive in. Right, Shabs, this weekend we played Liverpool in the third round of the FA Cup. FA Cup is traditionally Arsenal heritage, as some will refer to. We are the record holders of the FA Cup, have won it more than any other team. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people saw it, especially with our faltering form. One, a good chance to get back on the right footing. But second, you know, a possibility to win a trophy um, this season. I think, you know, Arteta won it in his first six months, but uh, we've not fared in well in any sort of domestic cup competition or European competition, really since that so um you know it was uh it was an opportunity to bounce back but unfortunately we were defeated 2-0 um by liverpool you know um an own goal and then diaz wrapping it up late on in a game where <laughs> believe me if you watched that first half alone you would not have believed what you had seen uh, you know funnily enough and last week we bemoaned especially during december arsenal's inability to finish off chances and here again probably even worse, maybe just as bad as some of the previous ones. In the first probably 20 minutes alone of this game, Arsenal could have scored four or five goals. Arsenal didn't score any. It's been symptomatic of our inability to finish chances um, and we were punished later on. So, Shabs, let me bring you in here. Um, I mean, first and foremost, how, how, do you, how did you assess that game um, before we get on to the finish? Because we actually played very, very well, especially in that first half. And even the second half, I think, where Liverpool came back into it a bit, it was more even, but I'd still say we had overall the rub of the green, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know what? Even even before that, just to, just to backtrack ever so slightly, I think it's so important. I think the FA Cup games are so important. And... Um, like, you know, you've touched on the Arsenal heritage with one of the most decorated clubs. Um, you know, we've won that trophy more times than anyone else. I don't think that for where Arsenal are at, we're in a position to uh, be turning down trophies in terms of the fan base even, um, as well as like the mentality from the club saying, oh, this competition wasn't important. And some of, you know, we had some of that conversation. We had some discourse around that in um, in our own group chat before the game. Um, for me, it's the FA Cup game. We should go out. It's the, um, we, you know, we should go out with the intention to win it's the third round. I want good cup runs. I want Arsenal to kind of do well in the cups and and and, and test and challenge and go far. I want this club to win silverware in terms of the, the 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 youth and the age of the group. They need to win stuff together. That's important. Um, and I always want to win against Liverpool. So I was I wanted the W. You know, I always want to win at home as well. So four factors. I wanted the W. I wanted us to win. Um, it was disappointing that we didn't win. It was disappointing in the manner in which we didn't win because usually we would be bemoaning the performance um, when actually I think against Liverpool it was really difficult to complain about the performance in general. It was the quality of our finishing. 
that was the issue. Uh, in terms of performance levels, I think for 65 minutes, maybe 60, 65 minutes, I think Arsenal were really good. I think Arsenal were, were you know, the better side. I think um, definitely in the first half, we were incredibly dominant. Um, you know, I think we pressed well, pressed incredibly well. And I think what we saw was encouraging in terms of a midfield base of Jorginho and Declan Rice, um, you know, which was different to what we're used to seeing. I think, you know, we exerted control. I think, you know, we didn't, there wasn't re really many periods in the game where I could look at, especially not in the first half, but throughout the entirety of the game, where I felt that we were stressed by Liverpool, where I felt that we looked in trouble, where I felt that they looked particularly dangerous. And there were many moments, especially in the early exchanges of the first half, where we looked threatening and we looked like we stressed Liverpool and we looked like we threatened them. We pressed them extremely well. Had a number of high recoveries, which resulted in chances, chance creation for us. Um, you know, we created other chances. And like I said earlier, we just couldn't capitalise. We couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which is, you know, the most important thing to do in a game of football. And um, we were talking and you said it, my brother, and I said it, and maybe one or two of us said it as well. Ultimately, we're going to get what we deserve from this game because we failed to put our chances away. And lo and behold, it happened, you know. So, and we have to hold that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I said during the game, I was like, you could see the pattern of the way the game was going, the volume mm. of chances that we missed, especially. And these aren't even what we're talking about half chances. There were a lot of clear, clear cut chances. And as a pattern that's going in, and, and we've seen this story before, right? That sort of reminded me almost to an extent of like a, one of those uh, Wenger, Wenger era games as well, where, you know, dominate, 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 get, get hit in transition. And a game which, you know, you are the dominant force and arguably deserve to win, you lose. And at the end of the day, we've got nobody to blame but ourselves. So we, we can't shift any blame elsewhere. Um, you know, I, and and we've spoken about in the last month, our issues have been less about creation, right? Because I think even in this game, again, we had four to five big chances missed. When you're routinely having that per game, um, it's pretty evident where, where, where the blame lies. And obviously, I think we can all sit here and say as a team, we lack ruthlessness, right? We're not a ruthless side. We don't finish our dinner. We miss a lot of chances. And is it as simple as saying... Um, we need better finishers or is, is it is it confidence related? Because a lot of these guys, you know, Martinelli got 15 non-penalty goals last season. He's only on two this season. I think Saka's the only one who's still putting up OK numbers, but there's been a big downturn. And obviously, I think when you're ultra reliant on two 22-year-olds, you forget they're still young. They're going to have peaks and troughs. They're going to have times where they have periods of bad form. Right? That's only natural. I think obviously some of the criticism that has come in or... The observations being made is that, well, we know this is going to happen, but we haven't chosen to account for it, right? Because I think, I don't know the specific figure, but in over four years of Arteta's tenure here, we spent over 600 mil, but only roughly around 70 million of that has, has been on forwards, right? So that kind of points to a fact where, you know, where, where some, some would say we have a Champions League level team maybe from defence to midfield but you know in the attacking phases we need more right so how how do you sit on that how much of the blame do you lay at the current attack not firing um and the ratio of that to you know we need maybe 
another striker and a winger within the same team as well. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. For me, um, you know, we, we, we're creating chances. It's clear to see we're creating chances. And create our level of chance creation is a factor that gives me hope um, when considering that if we if we weren't creating these chances, I'd be more so concerned, you know. But we're actually doing it and just not putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, XG is a funny thing. It's a funny thing, you know, and how you look at and how you assess and how you weight and interpret XG is 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 dependent and case by case, I should say. But um, XG can be helpful if you apply the correct context. What XG doesn't consider is it tells you the quality of the shot, but not the quality of the shooter. You know, I think so, the quality of some of our shooters. Um, at the moment, you know, is not um, is not telling or is telling, you know, depending on which way you want to look at it, you know. So for me, there's something about an improvement, you know, not massively, but a marginal improvement in terms of the quality of the shooter. Because if you if you, if if I was to say of our attackers who are proper shooters, who are proper gunmen you know, or who are natural goal scorers out of our attackers, I think we'd scratch our heads, you know. Um, yes, Saka has had fantastic production, but by and large, that's not what Saka is, you know, that's not what his primary function has been. Maybe he's becoming that, maybe he's becoming Salah-esque, you know, um, re remains to be seen. Um, Jesus, I <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, you know. I don't want to talk about it with Jesus. Eddie and KTR, you know, mm, not really, not really, not for not for the way that this team is configured anyway. Um, you know, and I, I really like Eddie. I feel like I have to say it all the time. I think Eddie is a top quality player. I think the way that we are configured and the way that we play doesn't suit him. Um, we don't see the very best of him. Um, Martinelli had a fantastic season. He's a shooter. Um, you know, very threatening. Is he a natural goal scorer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's a natural goal scorer. And then beyond those four that I've just mentioned, it just goes downhill, really. Which wherever you want to go to, if you want to go to Trossard, if you want to go to Havertz, if you want to go to whoever. So we don't really have that profile, that personality, a player in the team in that attacking line with that trait. So that's a massive factor. Um, another factor is the one that you mentioned in terms of the the the, the spend and spend isn't indicative of everything. Like look, like you know, the, the how, what we spent on the attack is important to consider. But Martinelli was a bargain and it cost six. Um, was it cost six mil, twelve mil? It was a bargain. Um, Saka come through the academy, so there was no cost. You know what I mean? Um, so. It's, it's these things weigh against us if you're looking at it on a cost analysis type of type of way. But there has been a deprioritization of bolstering the attack in terms of the players, the quality of the players, and whatnot. And for me, I think that's where we require definitely in terms of dipping into the market. We need something more to add to quality, to make it more competitive, to allow these players um, opportunities to take a rest when they're not performing and to make the team more resilient so we're not as dependent on 
um, you know, a tiny cohort of guys to do the job and, 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 and you know, finish, finish their dinner all the time for us. So that's a factor as well. So I think it's a multitude of things. I don't think it's as easy as kind of putting it down to one single um, thing. I think, you know, there are a number of issues which affect what is happening at this, at, at this moment in time, really. I think just to add to that as well, I'm still not worried just yet because I think it's more a case of bad luck and a bit of misfortune. And, and 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 do you know what's funny on that? It, it it is it is such an interesting thing to debate because obviously this will then come back to results based analysis. Because funnily enough, Barfulham, which I think was a dreadful performance and probably Poor one of the worst of the season, yeah. I've actually not fought the performances in December exactly. and against Liverpool. I've actually thought a lot of them were decent, and you know to the point where we were earlier on in the season saying we weren't creating a lot. In December to now, bar the Fulham game, we've actually created a lot in almost exactly. all of those games. Do you know what I mean? So, and the issue we're talking about is is a lack of a finishing touch, and and this was again apparent at the weekend against Liverpool, right? Rather exactly. than, and and it's getting to the point now where you're just looking at it almost as well, like where, and and I feel so sorry for Gabriel and Saliba especially because you're like they're doing such a good job defensively, but it's not being rewarded because. Yeah the guys up top are not finishing their dinner and, it, and it's putting a spin, which isn't really reflective of what's actually happening for the most part on the pitch. So, um, so, Absolutely. so, so it's a, it's a, so, so it's a bit unfortunate because no one will care. Essentially we've, we've won one game in seven and, and that's the narrative and that's fair enough because at yeah. the end of the day, it's a results-based business. However, when you look at it granularly and you actually look at, you know, you could argue some of the best performances have actually come in periods where we've not won games ultimately it doesn't matter and we need to develop a finishing touch so i hope that during this two-week period before we play crystal palace i believe on the 20th of january at home that these men are doing their finishing drills you know they're working hard they're working hard they're working hard because ultimately you know people talk about we're not gonna like we let's be realistic we're not gonna get a striker in january um and the striker we would want anyway isn't gonna be available in january anyway um I would like a winger. That would be my, you know, something I'd like. I think you could get that in Jan at a not too expensive price. But obviously, if, if we're following what we're reading about FFP concerns, and obviously we still haven't paid the David Raya fee yet. Um, so it's not looking like unless we sell, unless there's a, a big sell somewhere, that um, anything's going to happen. But, you know, January, I think is is... Uh, I think some like to label it as a bit of an opportunistic market because realistically, if you've done the right business in summer, you shouldn't really be going into Jan looking. Do you know what I mean? And uh, unless you have like like big, you know, hindrances. And unfortunately for us, obviously, we're talking Timber here, right? Do you know what I mean? If if we had, we're talking about defender as well. If Timber had not got an injury, we wouldn't be looking for a defender essentially, would we? So um, it is what it is. Uh, we have to muddle through. Hopefully, like I said, I think we've been quite unlucky with the amount of injuries we've also had in the first half of the season. You know, mm. when you're talking Timber, Tommy going down and Zinchenko, like you've had three defenders missing at once that it's unlucky, right? So, um, so, so, it, so it is what it is on that front. Um, I did want to ask, obviously we're going to do a Patreon piece on it. There have been quite strong links and, and obviously I say strong because it's silly season. You can always take some of these things with a pinch of salt. Um, Amadou Anana. So I, I'm not 
that massively clued up about him, I'll be real. When when the name's been dropped in the group chat a few times, there's been a lot of people who aren't who are in the in the chat, I won't name names, uh, who are turning their nose up at him. They say he's a bit of an athlete and nothing more than that. So I'll bow to their greater knowledge, but I would like to do to take a closer look at him. Um and interestingly, obviously, you referenced earlier against Liverpool, we played more of a double pivot, actually, which we, which we haven't seen in a while. You know, usually we're just operating with a bit of a single pivot. But I thought that gave us a real platform to, you know, go after Liverpool high on um, on Sunday. So firstly, is the double pivot something you'd like to see a bit more of going forward? And if so, how would you envisage if we were to purchase someone like Amadou Anana fitting in? Especially with someone like Rice, who, by all accounts, none of them are what you'd call by nature high volume passes, but are more rely a lot on their athleticism, um, their ability to break up attacks and also transition and carry the ball forward. I like the pairing of these two questions. Um, I think what I mean, whilst you have a player with the quality of Partey out, and whilst we continue to um, obsess over what we're seeing in terms of the football that we're playing, the way that we're progressing, the slower build-up, the lack of verticality, or not lack of, but less verticality, um, less line-breaking passes and all of that stuff. I, I, I think what happens is that, um, you know, the, the, the skill set, the attributes that you gain from one player, Partey, obviously you... you you su- we suffer the losses. So having Jorginho, having Rice there hasn't entirely solved the problem. It solved one problem, but not mitigated against another issue. And we spoke about this a lot on the last pod, and it's been spoke about lots of times. And, it, you know, it's all over. There's there's a nasty agenda running on social media about Declan Rice as well. Progressive passes versus line-breaking passes, all of that jazz. With Jorginho... When you when you bring Jorginho in in terms of a double pivot, it's almost like you have the attributes of a Thomas Partey in both players. You know, so you've got the physicality. The the the, the concerns about Jorginho playing six in a long pivot are not his technical skills. You know, they're not about his ability on the ball. Jorginho is a very good player. He's a very, um, you know, he's a technically astute footballer. Yeah, and he's been. Um, you know, a kind of technical leader in midfielder across the different teams that he's played for, understands football, really understands football, you know, um, and he's good. He's accomplished and comfortable, if not safe, but he's a very accomplished passer of the football. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's got he's got things in his locker that maybe Rice doesn't, you know, but what he cannot do is cover the ground. What he cannot do... And so he, he plays the game in a bit of a different way to mitigate, mitigate against his weaknesses. Um, you know, when you pair him with Rice and put them together, you know, you've kind of got, you know, one's strengths, one's weaknesses, and they kind of um, offset against one another. So I think that worked. I think that worked really well. And I think, you know, my questions were, why isn't this something that we have seen sooner? Um, I think other factors contributed to that in terms of not having Zinchenko, resting Zinchenko, Zinchenko not starting, so Kivio started. So in terms of ball security and ball progression, um, you need to have, you know, a, a condiment 
or rice. I like that. I didn't even mean to do that, but yeah, you need to have a condiment for for rice. You um, you need to have something that accompanies him, and um, otherwise the alternative was Havertz, and then there would have been a different kind of question, a different kind of thing that was required up front. I think Havertz playing up top worked in the Liverpool game. I think um, you know George and Rice worked. I think it meant that. Erdegaard could do what he needed to do. Um, and you know when you're playing Liverpool, you're going to press high, you're going to press intensely, you're going to do a lot of running. You know, could we have afforded to play in a way where Erdegaard was doing so much work on the press and then still having to, um, you know, drop back and drop deep into this situational pivot that he's been doing for us? So I think, you know, that solved a lot of problems and it's something that I'd like to see a bit more if... Partey is going to continue to be out. Yeah, because I think actually that is a solid base. So that's a long, um, but hopefully helpful and detailed response to the first part of your question. The second part now is about Onana. I think, as always, it's important to be objective and balanced in your analysis and to have an appraisal of all of the information, um, you know, and very few people do that. You know, very few people do that before forming an opinion. Opinions are formed hard and fast in this day and age, um, especially on on, 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 on on football Twitter. A player gets looked at a couple of times. You see a couple of matches. Very few times, actually, are we even doing full game analysis. I don't mean we uh, per se. I mean, more generally speaking. Um, it's just, you know, some highlights are looked at, some clips are looked at. People remember a viral moment or a moment where someone got pammed or where his first touch, you know, rolled off um, his shins and, you know, formulate an opinion. Oh, this is a player that's got a bad first touch, you know. Um, you have to kind of pair the eye test with what some of the underlying numbers say, with what some of the metrics say, and you have to always contextualise it with the team style of play, the instructions um, and whatnot. You have to consider a range of factors. From the outset, it might feel like, yeah, Onana's not really the player for us. And I feel like that. But I feel like I have watched him a little. I don't know loads about Onana, but I do remember us watching him a couple of times at Lille. When we were watching Jonathan David, when we were doing scouting videos on Jonathan David, and we were watching games was we were talking about that on another brother you know he goes in the group chat he goes back 2021 i know that arteta likes this player i know that we were linked with him before he moved to everton i know again last january before the caicedo um stuff you know it was there there, there were quoted fees of 50 mil that's why i'm surprised you know about the rumors suggesting that we're interested in him again a year later for quoted fees of um 50, 50 mil. I think the next acquisition in midfield is incredibly important. I think it's so important that we get that profile correct because I don't think we have fished our midfield profiles correct. Apart from Partey, um, Rice and Erdegaard, I don't think that we've done good acquisitions in midfield if you consider Vieira. Yes, well, so... So the next piece is key. And I'm not sure that he he represents, if we were to go out and sign him, he represents a risk for me. Because I think the next piece needs to be a tactical 
acquisition that's going to fit very well and very clear with our tactic. I think the next piece is also going to determine whether Rice is long term or, or Rice is long term. Well, it's, it's 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 interesting, right? Because when we speak about that double pivot at West Ham, obviously he played next to Suchek a lot. Sometimes he was deeper. Sometimes he was he was further ahead, and and it does feel like. Rice has that bit of a gene, like where he can sit and he can, but he's also obviously got that energy, that ability to drive forward. And but one of the things I did like about going back to a bit of a double pivot at times, where you know when we've spoken about certain games where we feel like certain players are isolated, I think you know having a base of two players allows like the wingers not to be so marooned out on the touchline. And I think I noticed that very heavily in this game where the wingers were allowed to come in and be a bit closer to goal as well. So I just think a lot of naturally what our players want to do is come in and combine and we need to do whatever we can to facilitate that. So my question was going to be, obviously, you know, quite a bit about this play and we've been linked with Zubimendi quite a bit. Um, I know I saw there was more reports today about his release clause being triggered he seems to be um, quite a reasonable release clause. You know, does does him and Rice, for example, represent a decent combination? I think it's more of the him and uh, of the Rice and Zinchenko, um, Rice and Jorginho. I think yeah. you know that's what we would if we if we if we sign Zubi Mendy, that's what we'd see. Zubi's Zubi looks comfortable with you know receiving the ball on the half turn. He looks comfortable receiving the dropping deep to receive the ball. Um, he's more comfortable receiving the ball with his back to play, but he can also drop into the back line to receive the ball. He's a progressive passer. He offers verticality. He would do those things, but he, for me, he would represent. He wouldn't represent much difference to Jorginho. You know, um, again, I think like a very accomplished. Um, Technical player, he looks like he looks probably like what Jorginho looks like years ago, you know, four five years ago. Um, he does look intense yeah. in his movements, short distances, short, sharp bursts, but in terms of covering lots of ground quickly, defending large spaces. Mm, so, if we if we are signing him and he's to you know, serve the purpose of a double pivot. Cool. We're yeah, signing yeah. him as a long ticks in this system. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 it would be interesting. My, my preference is for whoever we sign next to Rice, or if it is going to, this is depending on whether we're looking, like you said, our next signing would tell us whether it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, more of a, for Rice's future. But I'd, I would just like a passer just in there, just generally, because I think having another passer in midfield one, it reduces the reliance on Zinchenko when he's not fit. It means we can maybe put a different sort of profile at left-back. Um, it also helps Rice in build-up a bit as well, reduces the reliance on him there as well. So I think it would... Like, if you ask me, like, my dream, like, for example, it would be to buy, like, a Frankie de Jong, for example, to play next to Rice. Like, that would be, like, a dream. Someone who is crazy athletic, but who's also so good technically in terms of progressing the ball via both passing and carrying, that would be a dream. Like, a... Uh, a Camavinga, a De Jong, you know, those are like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Obviously, those two are virtually nigh on impossible, but, you know, something along the, something along those lines. So it's something to watch, something um, to pay attention to. So, so yeah. Um, right, we've got loads and loads of listeners' questions, so we can have quite a few different chats about them. Um, first one, which is from Salty Guna, 
he says i love declan rice and i might be in my feelings <laughs> you probably are my brother but do you think signing a dm for 100 mil was the move could we have gone for maybe a paulinia and looked at a game changer in attack paul seemed to be doing okay with endo so Yes, my brother, I think we did need Declan Rice. <laughs> I'm going to start with Definitely. that for factors because if you didn't sign Declan Rice and say you did sign Paulinia, Paulinia is 29. Are you going to pay 60 mil for someone who you don't know how long you're going to get a good return on investment for? 100 mil on Declan Rice at the age of 24 is expensive, but you can also see the value of five, six, potentially seven, eight years of return you're getting in on that. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and Rice is using a lot of his athleticism now where he can get up and down the pitch. But even as he gets older and that athleticism maybe starts to drain a little bit, hopefully by then, you know, a lot of players, when we talk about the nuances of, you know, coming deeper, you know, when Santa Cazorla, he was like a wide player, ended up deeper. I remember Schweinsteiger used to start as a winger, ended up deeper as well. So, you know, players become more intelligent and, and, and start to use their qualities a lot better deeper as, as they age. So, no, I think we needed that game changer. And I'm very, very happy with Rice, um, even though obviously there are a few things, tweaks we've mentioned previously that he could work on in terms of the ball reception, the ability to move it on, a, a, you know, in a few quicker touches. Um, so, yeah, so that's my answer to that. Don't get me wrong. Do we need a game changer in attack? Absolutely. Um, but that's going to have to come in another window and, and maybe obviously potentially buy themselves as well. Yeah, De Declan Rice was absolutely the correct player to sign, you know, for, for, for on-field reasons, for off-field reasons as well, for soft factors, which I think, you know, aren't always factored in and accounted for. Um, I don't think this is the right question. I get that the spends were large, but I don't think this is the right question. I think there's another player that we signed. There's some other business that we've done in the summer. And I think, you know, it's more of a question as to whether that was the right profile. Declan Rice. We, we can't be asking those questions about Declan Rice, man. For me, I think we've done the right thing. And also, it was about, it was inevitable that Rice was going to be signed by someone else. You know, I'd much rather we signed him. If someone else signs him, then, you know, a, a, a potential title rival or top four contender is um, strengthening whilst we don't have, so it's an opportunity cost as well. So, you know, I think we absolutely done the right thing by signing Declan Rice. And I think he'll show that. He's I think he's paid he's 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 already started to prove and demonstrate his value already. So look at Kaiseido, you know, we look at Kaiseido, look at Enzo, who's been at Chelsea for a year. Look at Mudrick, who cost the best part of a hundred million. Um, you know, look at some other players. They, they a lot of other players for big spends haven't justified their, those those spends. Rice is justifying it with his performances week in, week out, by and large. So, yeah. Okay, great. Um, question here for Wizard from Wizard Shy. Uh, he says, your pa panel's post-hybrid five-a-side team based on pure tech. Uh, I'm going to take listeners' priv uh, host privilege and go first on this. So, Shabs, you can't choose the players I'm about to choose. Uh, right. Okay, goalkeeper. Well, it'd probably have to be someone like Raya or Ramsdale because the others we had weren't really good with their feet, were they? So I, I'm going to go, it's five aside. I'll go Raya. Um, Saliba. And this is just pure tech. Saliba, party. Uh, I'm going to give you a layup here. I'm, I'm going to let you have some of the easier ones, but I'm going to go for, for tech man that was so good in tight spaces. I'm going to go Kazola and Hleb with RVP. That's what I'm with. That, that's my five-a-side team. 
that's my five aside team. Now, obviously, I've left you with some 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 big ones that you can choose yeah. from yours as well. But I had yeah. to take I had to take RB. I had to take I had to take RVP and I had to take Lebron Cazorla because them man in tight spaces on a five aside team. Yes, they're going to mash work. Is hybrid error. No, post hybrid era, post hybrid era. So it's Emirates. So it's Emirates. Emirates. Yeah. So if they played with the Emirates, they're they're Gucci. No, 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 no. You you can't use Omri because this this is not. We're talking Emirates era. No, 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 no. Omri played one season at the Emirates. It's not. He was played at the Emirates. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not letting you have that one. Sorry, that one's excluded. So yeah, you can't have that one. Choose another one. Choose, 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 goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, I'm absolutely pumped. If yeah, you're yeah, pumped because uh, I had to choose right because none of the others were good with their feet, so I had to. Oh. So I went and chose Raya. Yeah, I don't know if I'm taking Ramsdale. I might take Chesney. Chesney, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a feeling you're gonna say Chesney. Yeah, I uh, might take Chesney. Okay. I don't know. I like Ramsdale, but I don't know. I don't know player playerish. Um, Zinchenko. Do you know what I was? That was that was a big layoff yeah. as well and and you I was I was considering I was considering taking him but like yeah I took Saliba nah, but Zinchen- Zinchenko is a cheat code on a fiver side I can imagine yeah I'm taking Zinchenko yeah Erdegaard okay. and Rosicki and Rosicki yeah okay yeah you got um, two more no you got one more sorry because it's five yeah I've got so one got more one. Zinchenko. To be fair, Odegaard and Rosicki, same kind of kind of vibes. Still, um, yeah. Now, nah, F- wait. Mm. Sorry, I've got to redo mine. I just realised I named five outfield players. It's five aside. You have four outfield and one goalkeeper. So yeah. Just, okay. So sorry, I have to drop. Aye. Okay. Um, drop Carzola or Pleb. No, no, no. I'm a drop Saliba. You know what? Pleb. F it. You know, effort is five aside. Saliba, I love you in it, but I, I, I don't need you here for this, bro. It's five it, aside. Yeah. I, I actually don't need Saliba for this. Uh, yeah, party. I'm having the yeah, the take a party, Haleb, Kazola, and RVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what yeah, I, I thought. He's gonna drop RVP. Impossible, impossible, impossible. Oh, god. All right, all right. What, so, yeah, what, what flaming strikers are going to be lumbered with Jesus? Oh, um, do you know what? Jesus would mash work on a five aside, though. I know <laughs> he would. Samba, but would he score? Yoga Benito vibes? <laughs> would he score? He'd mash works. He <laughs> would true, mash works. Do, do you know true. what? Anyway, that's that's my five. I'm not going to obsess over right, it. Right, so, so say it again, say it again. So, Chesney. Um, Chesney, Zinchenko, um, Erdegaard, yep. Rosicki, yep. and um, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Do you know what's crazy? I know um, Saka's no, on the table. Nah, do you um, know there was, no, the there was no Fabregas, no Ozil, no, no I know. I knew. <laughs> no, I had him in my mind. Ah, oh, shit, Alexis. I'm taking Alexis <laughs> over Hazy. Okay. I'm taking Alexis. Yeah, He's yeah. playing up Ale- front for me. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, shit, so. Ozil. Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know what? Do you know what? Uh, Ozil and Rizitsky would be brazy together yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, yeah. are you having Erdegaard? Are you, are you dropping Erdegaard for Erzul? Nah, uh, Erzul over Erdegaard. I'm sorry, yeah. Martin. Okay. But yeah, Erzul, Rizitsky, Erzul, Alexis, Zinchenko. My team is slapping your team. I don't think it is. It's slapping your team. Five aside, yeah. I don't think it is. Five aside. I don't think it is. Let's put it to a... Let's put it to a... Yeah, we'll do it tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, we'll call him off the 
Call him off paternity leave. You know what? That's, that's the pod title. Call him off paternity leave. <laughs> Call him off paternity. Yeah, nappies uh, okay. examining him. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Um, interesting question from last of the yours. He says, do Arsenal need another force in the executive structure to curb Arteta's worst traits? <laughs> Havertz, Raya... Eddie over Balogun, Nelson renewal, buying two attackers his whole reign. Seems like if Arteta wants it, we do it. So I think there was an interesting tweet. I think it was from AF Camden where he was talking about the Raya deal. There was two of five who two out of five who wanted Raya. And obviously I'm assuming Arteta was one of those heavily. So interesting one. Do you think that Arteta has too much sway? Um, or do you think, you know, Edu needs to rein him in a bit. It's an interesting one because I think in the chat we spoke about it the other day where you're like, ideally, you still want to back the manager, right? Because obviously, you know, it's the manager who's, if, if it's, especially if it's a long-term project. Otherwise, if you choose to um, go against the manager, you could obviously always say like, well, look, you didn't back me with what I wanted, essentially, essentially. Essentially, now the manager can't have any complaints, right? Because he's the single point of failure because the way it's been constructed is is the way you wanted it, Right. Um, whereas some would say that if it was the technical director making all the decisions that, you know, um, or, or, or should the technical director make the decision so that, you know, if you decide to get rid of the manager, that you still have a decent squad that any manager can work with. It's an interesting one. I, 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 I see a bit of both, man. Ultimately, the coach has to have the final say. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at things like that, where the, the numbers are overwhelmingly against, what's the point of having a recruitment committee? What's yeah. the point of you know what's the point? What's the point of a democracy? If Manem are saying we're not feeling this guy, we've looked, we understand, but we're not feeling this guy, and you just say yeah, well, I'm overriding, I'm I'm overriding your decision. And sorry, um, as I say, as I'm saying, overriding, I'm remembering my bedroom hypo. Um, at um, a charity match, the, the video went viral when he had a falling out in the change room. He said, I'm overriding your decision. Uh, rest in peace. Long live Hypo. But yeah, um, I, I don't understand the... Um, I think there should be ultimately uh, another voice that weighs in. And I think that with Arteta, he's probably been given too much power too soon in his journey. Um and, you know, it's a whole other question about whether he deserves it or whatnot. But there's a part of me that also understands and accepts that ultimately it's his neck on the line. It's his job, you know, um, on the line with every performance. So he's got to work with players that he he he, he wants and, and, and he trusts. Some of the decisions, though, forget the rare one, signing a player. Some of the decisions, though, have been really questionable in terms of, like, you know, new deals for players who then haven't been used or, you know, enrolled him like a new deal for Reese Nelson. You could have let him go, you know, with a freed up wage space, would have got some compensation for him. Wouldn't have amounted to a transfer fee, but you had opportunities to sell this guy before to get, to get a transfer fee. Same with Eddie, you know, um, you know, signing him to a new contract, but then really not using him until he needed to last season with Jesus. Um, you know, he's done this as well with other players. It rolled in the value of other players as well. It's not, it doesn't really bode well. It makes you look at and question some of the decisions that have been made. So, yeah, um, I'm all for a shake-up in the department if it makes us more efficient and ensures that we don't repeat 
what I see as mistakes like that in the future. Yeah, no disagreements from me on that one. Um, Khalil HT3 asked, there's been previous debate about what a successful or failed season looks like. Something that finishing on 80 plus points behind a strong Man City, we can't complain too much. However, if we finish behind another team or two on a similar points finish, how would you interpret that? Um, so for me, based on last season, I said that my expectation going into the season was to challenge for the title again, not necessarily win it because obviously variance um, points, total difference from season to season. And plus you're playing against a fake manager with the best striker in the world. So really and truthfully, if City go and do a madness and win 16 games in a row again, there's not much you can do. However, yeah, um, currently the way we're trending, we're not even, we're trending to be around 80 points, which is a bit of, which is, it's not a bit, it is a regression from last season, right? So I'd be disappointed if that was the case. Um, so for me, I think we definitely need to see an upturn um, in the second half of the season. Hopefully that comes with more players being fit, party returning and hopefully staying fit. And maybe we can get Timber back in uh, a decent point too. So um, yeah, for me, we're five points off the top. So it is a, looking a bit of a stretch, but it's not um, insurmountable. It's just that we've left ourselves very little margin for error in terms of, you know, games now with 18 league games left. So it's possible. If you ask for my honest opinion, I don't think we're going to do it. I just think there's been one, like you said, the midfield balance has been off for a bit and, and we can easily point to why. And two, we've lacked the ruthless finishing top up top. So those two factors combined, if you're putting a gun to my head, do I think Arsenal are going to win the title? No, is, is, my, is my honest opinion. But um, we should still be looking to try and reach 80 plus points, I think. So, yeah. Um, if we got lower than 80 points, I think that'd be a disappointing season for me. Yeah, definitely. Is It's possible, yeah. Is it likely? Mm. Less likely, especially given recent results, especially, get, you know, from the Liverpool game in the league onwards, um, it's less likely. But there's a lot of, there's a whole half a season worth of football left to be played. So, you know, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Okay, um, I'll combine two questions because they're similar. Count Dracula, um, should the double pivot make a comeback? And I think there was someone else. Uh, underscore M479 says, do you think we should stick to the 4231? I think we should as it allows less rigidity in attack. Um, if so, who do you think you should be Rice's long-term partner in the double pivot? I think we sort of touched on that essentially a bit already. We've spoken about Zubimendi or Nana. Um, you know, dream targets as well to partner rice um so yeah uh we mentioned that earlier on in the pod so i'll skip past that one um yonko abs says we need a forward with the goal scoring ability to carry us at moments if not to be top five if not huh? he says we need a forward with the goal scoring ability to carry us at moments um does it necessarily have to be a center forward though uh i think so Initially, my standpoint was that it didn't. However, I'm, I think I'm moving more towards the standpoint that it probably does need to be a, a striker. Well, in my opinion, we need both a striker and a winger anyway. So I don't think it should be one or the other. Personally, we need a winger and we need a striker. So that would be my answer to that. So, um, you know, it'd be great if like last season goals could be shared around. But I think as you'll see in this season, um, especially when you're relying on young players, they have peaks and troughs, right? And unfortunately, we're going through a bit of a trough at the moment where um, 
I don't know whether it's confidence, whether it's been a bit system dependent, whether it's been um, lack of familiarity or whatever, but it's not resulted in what we wanted. So I do think having a bit of, and, and I didn't always have this opinion, but I do think having someone who is more of a consistent goal scorer definitely um, does help because they can carry you in moments when you're not playing well. The reality is you're not always going to play well, but think how many times you can cheat like, you know, over the years, like Son and Kane, for example, at Spurs, that team was garbage, but they kept carrying them, right? Because they had a reliable, consistent um, source of goals. So, and even when we compare Liverpool to Arsenal, the major difference is, is that Liverpool always look like they're going to score, right? Um, and because sometimes they do allow themselves to get into basketball games, whereas Arsenal like a bit more control. Um, but you can allow yourself to get into basketball games a bit more when you know you've got the fire top, the fire um, power up top to, to to see it. I mean, we saw Liverpool in that recent game against Newcastle, right? They had over seven and a half XG, which is the most insane thing I've ever seen from one game. So, so yeah, Shabs, thoughts? Yeah, uh, I would prefer it if it is a striker. It doesn't need to be a striker, though is my view. And Liverpool, again, to cite them as a team, are a good example of that. Because if you look, Liverpool's Liverpool's striker, what's going on? Some breaking news? It's fake news, yeah? It's got to be fake news. Are you read, you're reading this. As we're, as we're talking about strikers. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's not true. It's not fake true. Fake news. Yeah, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll come to that fake news yeah. in a minute. But, yeah, um, but yeah. Um, Liverpool are a good example to cite because look look at their strike. You know, their centre-forwards are um, Darwin Nunes, you know, who can, he can't buy a goal for love, nor money, nor favour. Um, you know, he can't beg, borrow, or steal a goal. Um, Cody Gakpo, kind of striker, but kind of just forward, man. You know, um, a lot of goals come from Diaz. A lot of goals by committee come from Jota. Ultimately, their main bags man and their main gunman has been Salah. So, you know, and 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 that's proven to work and be effective for them. You know, and they won a title with uh, Firmino as the striker, not getting many goals at all. You know, so it doesn't need to be. But yeah, I would prefer for it to 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 be. And then interestingly, I was watching a game. The other day, after that disappointing Arsenal result against Liverpool, I was watching the Juve game, um, and Vlaovic, who didn't have a particularly good game, pops up with the winner. You know, in a tightly contested game, I think they were playing Salernitana. I can't remember. Um, had a player sent off. They were down to ten. Not Juve. The other guys were down to ten men, and uh, Vlaovic wasn't really doing much. But in the 90th minute, just has a decisive moment. Pops up, scores a header, wins the game, you know, and that's kind of that can be the difference it makes. And it's beautiful when that person is your centre forward. Um, but yeah, so yeah, my personal preference is that that's the case, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. We just need we need a bagsman because we haven't had a bagsman since Oba. And um, you know, it was a while that we held Oba was dead weight for a while as well. Um, you know, whilst we're still carrying him since the time where he was just slapping goals left, right and centre. So, yeah. we what What's more concerning is that we're not... That, that, is it synchronicity? We we have goal scorers at times where we can't create chances. That's when we have deadly gunmen. 
And then we have chance creation where we don't have a deadly bagsman. And this has been Sorry. a bit of a repeated cycle for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you look at when Giroud was leading the line, chances galore, but he, he was a good player. It just wasn't deadly. Wasn't, yeah, and wasn't then, deadly. yeah, so, you know, this is, this is not the first cycle of this that we've seen. And, you know, we just, we, <sighs> we, we need to just get it all, you know, we if need only to we had, If only we it. had a prime, if we had a prime RVP, now we would be clapping goals. But, Oh, such is life, such is life, such is life. He's not talking about Shaquille Van Persie is about to make a young debut for... Oh, for real? For yeah. Or something. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a shooter, yeah? yeah? All right. Let's get into our FM bag. Um, right. Uh, another one from Kenil HT3. <laughs> says, does Dr. Umar need to pay German Dan a visit? I asked because he's not an Ossiman fan based on his questionable technique. But if it was a six foot four German with blue eyes... <laughs> Then he'd be defending him with his heart. Uh, talk your talk. Hey, I thought he was asking for a different reason, you know. I'm not going to lie. Oh, but yeah. It, 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 I mean, it, was, it wasn't even a question. He just wanted to throw a dig at German Dan. Um, oh, but yeah. he did ask also who should be the alternate central forward in in uh, Jesus' absence. I would say Havertz. Um, funnily enough, yeah. the guy roused me up to no end, but. I did like how the team was moving off him against Liverpool, uh, creating a lot of space, ran the channels well. I think there was a lot. Obviously, the only thing he doesn't have because he can't hit, he shoots like a girl, is um, the finishing touch. But he does allow us to play, to use us as a foil um, and a bit more of a mobile foil because he can run and he can stretch teams. Um just unfortunately doesn't have a finishing touch. So, um, and it's funny because there were links with Eddie away today. And I said, I wouldn't mind selling Eddie because one, Eddie allows us to put money back into the team and not necessarily at centre forward because obviously we know we're not going to get the striker we want in Jan. But you could reinvest like a 25, 30 mil from Eddie into a winger potentially or like a, where, wherever you want, like, or a midfielder. Do you know what I mean? So, or towards a midfielder, for example. So, um, yeah, so I would say habits. Um, and it's funny because... Uh, Kofi at Boama Enoch RC says, what did you think of Havertz's performance up top? Uh, me personally, bar the most important aspect of shooting with conviction, his general play was pretty good. What do you guys think? I think we both agree with that, right? He had, he had a, yeah. he had a decent-ish um, performance, but yeah, lack of ruthlessness, um, which is, he, you know. He, he, he needs to learn to hit things first time. That's yeah. what he needs to do. You know, if he, it's, it's he like he only wants to score headers and tappings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He needs to get into the routine of just first time. A lot of a lot of our forward players do, by the way. First one time finish, you know, one time, first time shots. But um, apart from that, you're right. Like he he, he played really well. I well, I actually think he, some of his better performances in the Arsenal shirt have been when he's played as a centre forward. There haven't been many. Yeah, that was when he's played up front. Yeah. But yeah, I think that those have been some of his most convincing performances. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ronald Jr. at Baitface Nate, he says, if you were KSE, would you trust Arteta Edu with further funds? If yes, why? If not, what players would you sell to get things going? Um, so an interesting question. I think there's definitely been a debate. I mean, you, you referenced earlier some of the money Arteta's wasted on midfield. When you think of Havertz, 65 million. Um, Vieira was 35 million. Lokonga was 20-odd million. 
Um, Jorginho was around 18 odd million. So there's been a lot of money spent and we're still very unhappy with the midfield. So that raises a lot of questions, right? And I think it's fair to to question the manager that he's not been able to, to get the right mix working often enough that we continue to have questions about the midfield. Obviously, I know party's been party's been good but you know when we talk about party we're talking about lack of availability so we have issues you know and this is why i said people need to allow declan rice because god imagine what would have happened if we didn't sign declan rice now <laughs> you know we would have been seeing Jorginho mid and el nenny midfields a lot this season um so yeah uh well i trust them <sighs> so 50 51 i think scrutiny is definitely fair because of there's been a lot of wasted funds um and obviously managers don't always get stuff right let's let's have that right right because you know we don't talk about the fact that pep signed people like claudio bravo nolito ferran torres danilo there's players that don't work every manager signs duds right look at naby Keita at liverpool um i'm sure there's been quite a few under clock right as well so even look we're looking at nunez right now so every manager doesn't get everything right um but i think you can allow that once you have trophies to back that up with right so i think you know, um, I, I think the questions come from, and stem from the fact that, you know, after we finish in second, we spent over 200 mil, but it looks like we've taken a step back. So um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. He was saying, would you, trust, would you trust Arteta and Edu with further funds? If yes, why? If no, are you selling to, to what do you sell? Who do you sell to get things going? I think we, I think we've got no choice but to trust them. I think them, I think the um, the management group at KSE are going to continue to trust them as well. I don't think there's any indication that that will change. Um, it's just that, yeah, we were in it, we were, we we were in a jam in terms of selling players to get things going. I think the ones that we've named are good um, indicators. I think Reese Nelson. You know, I just, I just think Reese Nelson is a player that in the English market you can fetch money for, and I think there's in, there's there's a market for a player like Reese Nelson in Germany as well, and I think he'd do well in Germany, um, Holland less so, I tend to spend less, but I think you could fetch a twenty twenty five, maybe push a thirty million. Maybe I'm being ambitious, I don't know, but I think there's that kind of market for Reese Nelson, English homegrown. Um, Eddie, there's market for Eddie. Um, and I like these players. I'm not being harsh, but I just think the reality is that we don't, we don't, we don't use them anywhere near the level that they need to be used. And when they have been used, they haven't offered the output that is required for where this team is pushing to be currently, you know. Um, but yeah, I I I like I I love these players, man. I love these guys. I've got nothing against them or whatever. I'd love to see them stay and to 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 do what they're doing and make it here. But those are the ones I think that could generate about you know a minimum of forty mil in yeah. in, in in sales and upwards of sixty mil in sales. And I think you know you use that to just kind of get things going. Um, Trossard, I question like long term. I can't see a sell at the moment, but I question like long term don't really know if there's a place for him and some of his more recent performances have absolutely pissed me off as well um you know george george is george i wouldn't i don't see a sailing george um Nenny, i don't know why he's still here cedric getting gone get him off the wages free up some capital 
um, you know, and maybe one or two other young um, players. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, all right, let's leave it there. I think we've, we've been going for an hour. So, um, Shabs, my brother, thank you very much for joining me. Listeners, thank you very much for joining yeah. us. Um, yeah, I think we will come with the Patreon content because we don't have a game now for still like another 10 or so days. So we have to find time and different ways to fill the void, fill it with content. Um, I did like that five-a-side question. So, so yeah, um, really appreciate it. Guys, I know it's been a it's been a bit of a downer, but that's life, man. It's life of fandom. You go through peaks and troughs. We're, we're, we're struggling, man. But, you know, hopefully success is not too far away in the distant future, man. Some of us have been struggling, boy. The last time we won the league, I was a teenager. So, you know, we're, you know, we're, 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 try, we're trying to strive, man. I've got a young son now. I need to get him on the football train. So uh, Arsenal need to fix up, man, before before uh, my wife's Liverpool supporting family try and steal him away. So, um, yes, anyway, I'm waffling, which is a sign that we need to close this pod. So Shabs, my brother, thank you very much for joining us. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us. We will catch you on the flip side. Peace. Podcast Network.